everyone, this is Pastor Derek. Uh, we're in the summer of 2023. I'm with a couple of my favorite people in the whole wide world, but we're uh, recording this podcast uh, around the conversation of families, and we're in the middle of a, uh, a sermon series at Grace called Building Thriving Families, but we wanted to have some conversations on this podcast around uh, just a, a bunch of different people from a variety of situations uh, around the topic of family, which is an interesting topic for us to cover. And so uh, uh, thank you so much for, for listening and and uh, we would love for you to click uh, the button to, to follow this podcast so you can receive updates anytime uh, we uh, drop new podcasts. And uh, we would also love for you to like this and share it with any friends that you think would be helpful. And uh, comments are great, too. It helps push, uh, push the algorithms to the top of the list. So we would love that uh, if you're so inclined. So I want to introduce uh, Pastor Scott Michael uh, and Pastor Sarah Burt. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank Welcome. you. So great to be here. It's great to have you. And uh, Scott, you and I are going to be uh, kind of tag teaming this uh, this podcast uh, over these next few episodes. So I'll host a couple. You'll be hosting a yeah. few. And uh, can't wait to have these conversations with some folks that from a variety of situations and, uh, you know, around the subject of family. Yeah, I think it's just such a neat opportunity that we've got to explore how diverse families are mm-hmm. and just the ways in which... Uh, People have explored walking families out with with God at the forefront, and just kind of how to how different people navigate that, and just yeah. the learnings and takeaways that we can have. So I'm I'm, I'm pretty jazzed. Yeah, it should be fun. And Sarah, yeah. what are you doing here? What am I doing? Yeah. That's a great question. Uh, I got invited to the conversation, and oh. I love having good conversations. So we love having you. You're very interesting to talk yeah. to, and and actually, you've done some great research on this subject. And yeah. I know, I think all of us, as we've prepared for this um, for this series, mm-hmm. essentially, is kind of our uh, entree into it. It's like you know, family seems like a pretty straightforward topic until you start really thinking about it, and yeah. then it's not so straightforward. And I am positive that we're going to say some things probably today. I know I'm going to say some things through the series that are probably going to get a bit of a rise out of people because uh, I know I have been forced to wrestle with family and the idea of family uh, in, in a whole different way as I've just been exploring this. And what does is, what is biblical family really mean and look like? And, uh, you know, I think people have this picture in their mind of what a biblical definition of family is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, as, as, as I'm going to say in my, my first week, you know, People are expecting an old-fashioned version of family, and I'm not sure they're thinking old-fashioned enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because I think there's an actual ancient um, model of family mm-hmm. that's not really close to what we're experiencing today in the United States in 2023. So yeah. should be fun to explore. So I, I, I kind of gave the intro there, but let, let's talk a little bit about kind of why why family is such a complicated subject to talk about. Like, what what... What uh, what what makes it one of those topics that's like, yeah, you think it's easy until you start getting into it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let you go first on that one. I think we think it's easy because we're all part of one. We were yeah. born into one. We have experienced family. Therefore, this is something we all know and are familiar with. But what makes it extremely complicated is that it's so it's so challenging. Like all of us grew up in family, even if they were healthy families, there's still some brokenness there. Some of us grew up with profoundly broken families. We carry a load of baggage. I mean, you know, all kinds of, every pre-count, good marriage counseling <laughs> is going to go through the baggage that you're bringing into your, you know, new family that you're starting to found. So I just think that there's so many layers to it, but it's something none of us can escape. We are all part of one and we are all, whether past, present, future, we can't ignore that fact. Um, and yet 
there's a lot of brokenness and a lot of hurt and a lot of yeah struggle in that too. Yeah. So I think the really interesting thing is like if you ask someone, what do you think of family? What would be the first words that would come out? I mean, would it yeah. be loving, supportive, <laughs> secure, safe, or would it be oh yeah, dysfunctional, yeah. broken, <laughs> blended, um, hard? So I think that's the very very interesting thing because I think you would you could just have a, like this splatter plot yeah. of of all sorts of types of family. And so when you talk about family, how do you how do you address it in a scale in which it captures all of that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the very very interesting thing. And is it because we look at it from a worldly lens? Of what family means, or is it, you know, or, or what happens when we look at it from a biblical end? So I think that's the encouraging thing about having conversations like this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. And I, I would throw into the mix, you know, I think another factor is, first of all, every culture defines family differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, I think our culture has defined family a certain way. Um, and even the, the slice of time that that culture is defining family is very unique. So yeah. how we define family or how people in our culture define family in 2023 is different than 1980, is different than 1950, is different than 1890, you know. And so even each culture goes through this kind of uh, change in how they think about family. And so, like you said, Scott, I think something comes to mind for everybody when you mention that word, mm-hmm. and it's usually related to their personal experience. Yeah. But there's also an ideal yes. um, that every person has, and I think that ideal is even different. And you know, so how has that, you know, and and I guess I well, well let's throw it out there. How how do you think um, most let's say Christians, since that's what we're talking about, most Christians or evangelicals or whatever, think about the ideal of family today? What pops into their mind? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, this, I think. So listening to some of the podcasts and research that yeah. we've done leading up to us, I think the thing that we would think of as the ideal family would be like the, the nuclear, the, what we would call the nuclear family. Yeah. Mom, dad, a couple of kids, and that sort of thing. And mm-hmm. I think when that would be the ideal uh, and whether or not, what dynamic functions in there from a mother-father standpoint and husband-wife, I think, you know, varies. But that's what I, that's what I think. I don't mm-hmm. know, Sarah, if you think something. Oh, 100%. Before I started digging in and doing research and got my mind blown up right. about all of this, right. if you had said the word family, I would have said, oh, whoever lives together in the same household, and ideally, that's a mom and a dad. Yeah. I mean, research talks about, the, you know, how good it is to have two parents in yeah. the home. Yeah. And then however many, you know, kiddos right. <laughs> are populating that space, throwing a few pets. Yeah. White picket fence. Yep. Boom. Yes. <laughs> Let's <Family>. go. <laughs> Norman Rockwell. Yes. <laughs> right. right? Yeah. yeah. He's a great painter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, and, and I think the you know, everything is a landmine these mm-hmm. days. And mm-hmm. so I think one of my, you know, uh, thoughts that I've had as we walk into this is like any veering from that ideal from the Christian perspective uh, is 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 almost dangerous in our culture because people are going to immediately label you something else and so oh man right. you know these guys are going woke or these guys are going right. you know liberal or these guys yeah. are going, whatever yeah. the whatever the phrase is I'm just it's gonna, a slippery slope it's a slippery to slope the, yeah. yeah and so it's like any any kind of tweaking that we do to that ideal 
um, you know, could could be viewed as like we're going off the rails mm-hmm. or as anything goes and anything. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's the answer either, mm-hmm. obviously, um, that, that it's not just this free-for-all over here of, well, let's just call anything a, a family. That's right. not true either. But, right. I, but I do think that, you know, we're going to have some fun um, kind of exploring uh, what is it that really constitute a family. We'll come back to that in just a minute. Yeah. But mm-hmm. let, let's talk about the church specifically. So um, how do you think the church has done well? And how do you think the church has done not so well as it relates to this idea of, of the family? Um, and I'm not just talking about our church, but let's talk about the church in general. You know, how have we, um, how, how have churches uh, kind of propped up the idea of, in a healthy way of, of supporting family? And then how have we crapped the bed? <laughs> yeah, I want to go straight to crap the bed. But I wanna, of course you but do. There's, but there's, there is good. So I think... So let's talk about just the the model. Like if we if we continue to paint the picture as the the ideal picture of the nuclear family, I think there's things the church has done well as far as providing space and, and tools in order to try to make those types of families thrive. Mm-hmm. I think there's I think there's accessibility there. I think there's constant talk about the importance of God designing the family and, and looking looking at the, the arc of, of Scripture and, and seeing all the different ways in which God kind of orchestrated the family well. So I think there's constant opportunity to see uh, reflection of that and stuff that, act, that we give them access to and resources. Yeah. I think that's some of yeah. the good things. Yeah, yeah I think, I mean, the church has always emphasized, you know, strengthening marriages, yes. mm-hmm. the relationships between husband and wives, and, you know, the need to be intentional about that. There's always been this focus on raising children well and the support that's there and mm-hmm. programs in the church and just parenting resources and all that kind of stuff. And so I think in those regards, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's there's really good stuff there. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. By the way, nuclear or nuclear? What did I say? You're saying nuclear. You're going George W. Bush. That's how I... Oh. <laughs> but um, we, still <laughs> we still respect you. We still respect you and love you. Nuclear. You obviously weren't raised nuclear. very well. Nuclear. Like the bomb. <laughs> What's it raised right? Well, <laughs> speaking of family. And listen. family. So how uh, I agree with you. I think that the church has has really tried to come around families yeah. and support family dynamics and and uh, healthy families and spiritually you know healthy families and those sorts of things through programming through preaching through yep. some of those things and, yep. and uh, so let's go to the negative how how have how has the church not done so well in this department? Go on, Sarah. You go first. <laughs> <laughs> negative Nelly over there. Let's I, go. go first. As much as we like to say that we are countercultural, we we still swing with the culture. And in mm. our in our you know present Western modern society, individualism is an ideal that we raise up, and that has resulted in this nuclear <laughs> concept. Nice. It's nuclear. <laughs> You guys are saying it wrong. <laughs> which which means that every every grown adult has to start their own hmm. yeah. household. Now, whether they get married and do that with children or they're just single, but like we remove ourselves from the prior generation to establish our own thing to raise a next generation who will remove themselves and yeah. and, and that is not just that's not biblical, it's not historical, yeah. it's, it, but it's a present I think consequence of the individualism that's just pervasive in 
Western society. Yeah. And I think the church has just gone right along with it and then lifted that as an ideal. Right. And when we say church, I think really focusing on like the Western church, I know you mentioned that on the outset, is very, very important because if you go to other countries, they don't resemble, their family does not resemble the American way that family is modeled. And so you have to ask yourself, how influential has culture been on that and why is that the case? And so when you take a look at, I think for the church, the thing that they've done wrong is buying into the American version of family, mm-hmm. where it's what you just said, Sarah, mm-hmm. the idea of being independent mm-hmm. and just this hyper-focus on individualism has forced us into this model that is not sustainable yeah. because the biblical model is so vastly different. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they said at the end, like, if you play it out, the, the nuclear family at the end, mom, dad, kids, we send the kids off to, yeah. you know, go do their thing. The kids go do their own thing. They might move away. And then mom and dad are left there. And at some point, they're going to die alone. Mm-hmm. And that is not how other cultures go about it. And so I think that there is just, so they go from like this, God created us to be interdependent, mm-hmm. not independent. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that should be the focus of, of the family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we, just, we just haven't, we've lost that. Yeah, and it's interesting, even in our in our. In our culture, in our country, you know, even before the post-World War II, it mm-hmm. seems to be where things kind of shifted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a lot of, like, I, the, the statistic I read that blew my mind was that 90% of families were either farming families or owned an, a small business. Yep. Yeah. And so... That means the whole lot of them were either under one roof on some big homestead, or at least um, spending their days together. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, maybe it's extended family and cousins and aunts mm-hmm. and uncles and grandmas and grandpas, yeah. and employees or farmhands or whoever mm-hmm. else was around. So that when that dinner bell rang, like it was a mm-hmm. gathering. Yeah, you know, and and uh, so even in our own history, there has been that. And I think the thing that you guys both said that's important to point out is that that this moment that we're in is not normal, <laughs> historically right. or right. globally, right. not normal, where it's like the, what's important is the success of every individual member. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mom has to be successful. Dad has to be successful. Each kid has to be successful in their own right. Yeah. And it's like that's a very un, un, unusual way to think about family, yeah. mm-hmm. even in our own space, except for the last 80 or 100 years, um, where even before then it was about the success of the farm or the success Mm -hmm. of the business or the Mm -hmm. success of this thing that we're all building together. Right. Mm -hmm. And again, I don't want to make it about business because you can translate, you can put faith... You can put faith... Sorry, everybody. That was a real good (laughs) catch. My cat-like reflex. That was athletic. (laughs) (laughs) You you could put faith right into that same bucket and just go, you know, that, that... there's this other thing that's ultimately important to us mm-hmm. that rises above the uh, success of every individual member. Yeah. 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 And I think that that is, that is so important because when you take a look at with pre-1950 or whatever and that notion of the multi-generation, like they were even living in the same yeah. house. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was so much shared responsibility. So if like mom got sick, it didn't derail the family mm-hmm. because there was aunts and uncles and grandparents that were able to swoop in and and over and take over whatever she was doing and if dad got sick the same thing happened yeah. if if someone gets sick in in a small family like we're looking at now right what happens yeah. well and we're even afraid to ask for help oh 100%. like we take it as a sign of weakness to ask for help from 
even extended blood relatives or yes. neighbors or church family. You know, we, we it's a sign of my strength that I will suck it up and do this on my own, right? Yeah. Which is a historically ridiculous notion. One hundred percent. You know, it's interesting. I was listening. Uh, I was just with uh, Pastor Daryl Cook. You guys know Daryl. Yeah. Uh, so African American friend and uh, pastor in the area, and he was talking a little bit about family. It was in totally different context, but it made me think that even the the black church versus the white church mm. has kind of retained yeah. some of these things better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so he was talking about growing up, and again, totally different context, but he was saying, you know, I was fortunate enough to have both mom and dad around, which is more and more unusual these days for ev- everybody, uh, a lot more single-parent homes than there used to be. Uh, but he said uh, both mom and dad around, and but I also had aunties mm-hmm. um, that were not even blood relatives, yeah. some of them. Yeah. But he said everywhere I went in the city, there were eyes and ears on me, <laughs> and every one of those people had full authority, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. to raise me, to crack yes. me on the butt if I needed to, <laughs> you know, get put me in line. Yeah. And he said there was this kind of extended network of people who kind of were sharing the responsibility to, to raise me. I thought that's such a profound thing that we just, in the white suburbs, 100%. that oh, does not yeah. Yeah. exist. Right. The really interesting thing about this, so have, <clears throat> my wife, Heather, she drives uh, to work every day and she has a, um, a grad student that's now going to be an employee at the place that she works. She is from India. Mm-hmm. And her husband is still in India. He's going to be coming over, and she has their their son with her. And so she found out. Heath found out that um, her son has was taking an Uber to get to school every day, and he was becoming late. So he had only like two more tardies before oh, he yeah. could, he you know, before something kind of you know catastrophic would happen as far as advancing the next grade. So Heather stepped in and said, "Well, I can I can take you to school." And the minute that that transaction started to happen. Uh, he now calls her, uh, it's, I think, look, Dee Dee Heather, which is, oh, Dee Dee is like this word for auntie. Mm. And so then it started this conversation about just this thing that mm-hmm. it's not just mom, dad, and son. It's, it's just like, there's, there's just this concept of Dee Dee's all over the place, mm-hmm. helping support when the, you know, when the child needs supported in and size. Mind blown. Yeah. Mind blown. Yeah. That, that, and so this concept, I think what we're saying is this concept of mom, dad, kids, dog, upwardly mobile, um, travel around city to city, wherever the next opportunity strikes kind mm-hmm. of thing, is a very weird and new concept. Yeah. And I think a lot of our people have that in their mind as the ideal family. Right. And, you know, I think part of our our thing this month is going to be to blow that up a little bit yeah. and uh, and return return to some foundations. Bring, yeah. it, bring out the sledgehammers. <laughs> I know. I mean, I feel like that's what's happened to me is I've just been like yeah. reading 100%. and thinking and yeah. talking to my husband, Nate, about it. It's just yeah. like some scales coming off the eyes kind yeah. of thing of yeah. like I assumed that I was operating in like a good norm yeah. because this is what yeah. I was raised in or the assumption of church in america is that this and as you start thinking about it even just doing a little historical digging even Mm -hmm. reading scripture with new eyes i'm just like oh my gosh yeah 
Yeah. Oh, what have we become? Yeah. Right. So there's one more element that we're going to be talking about because we're going to be talking about family in general for the first couple of weeks of the series. Again, this is not all about the series, but um, the other thing we're going to talk about is at, at some point is singleness. Mm-hmm. And I think it's one of the other areas where the church has gotten oh my it wrong. Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> and I just didn't want to rush by it without saying that. Yeah. That I think this idea of, I think some of that other stuff we just talked about has informed this mm-hmm. where we've created this ideal. Yeah. And single mm-hmm. doesn't fit in that ideal. Right. Um, that is not true biblically. Right. Mm-mm. It is not true historically. No. It is not true globally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yet we, and I think the church specifically, um, you know, we go back to, hey, it's got to, you got to be married and right. you got to have a family. And that's the whole purpose of this thing. And obviously we see very, very prominent figures of our faith, including Jesus Christ himself, yes, right. <laughs> who, who were single. Yes. Right? And, uh, you know, so anyway, I, I mean, I'm eager to talk about that yeah. because I think that um, uh, is an important uh, uh, clarification for mm-hmm. the church. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that's moment. so good. Yeah, that's that's so, great. so good. All right, so there are three uh, questions, uh, Mm -hmm. three uh, things that we're going to be pointing to each week uh, this month, and and really a lot of our conversations are going to go around these things. These are three of the questions that we're going to be asking through this podcast series uh, to the various people and audiences that we have through and to to interview. And uh, uh, these three things kind of make up maybe our our, our new approach, our new definition uh, for what a healthy family looks like. And so the three are, is my family exposed to multi-generational influences? So we just touched on that for a moment. Is my family functioning as a team? And does my family have clarity around our mission? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so um, thinking about family kind of through that lens and those terms, not none of those things has anything to do with is each individual succeeding in their Right. occupation or sports right. Right. or yeah. clubs or whatever it is. Um, so let's just take those one at a time. And I just want to hear some general thoughts about it and then we'll, we'll wrap this thing up. But let's talk about multi-generational influences. Um, thinking about family and the necessity for multi-generational uh, impact yeah. uh, has been, uh, again, enlightening, eye-opening. Yeah. Uh, so what are your thoughts on that uh, multi-generational uh, concept? And really, I think for a lot of a lot of families, there's not a ton of that anymore. Right. We're away from yep. grandma and grandpa. And we're away from yep. you know folks. And again, I I don't ever want to heap shame or guilt no. on people no. for like. There's lots of people that are here, and that 100%. that's what they are, and mm-hmm. you know they they don't have even the opportunity to get back close to family or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's just talk about that multi generational thing. How important do you think it is? What 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 do you think uh, is uh, the importance of this conversation? Yeah. So I think the, just the thing on the outset that I think I'd like to just share with people here in this is like, it's, it's good to have a moment where you recognize where you're at, mm-hmm. and that's a really good place to start. Yeah. And I think that's just something I want people to hear. Be like, yeah. don't feel like it's completely overwhelming. Yeah. Just know that you're now, you've now identified a good place to start this. And so the growing up for me, all of us lived in the same town. So grandpa and grandma, you know, we had a smaller family, but we all were there. And so I remember constantly being surrounded by aunts and uncles and cousins. They were always family gatherings. And then you, you, we grow up and we were the first ones to move away, both Heather and I. Wow. We were both ones to move away. And so she's from Pittsburgh. I'm from Cleveland. We moved to Kalamazoo, Michigan, which was five hours from my family and seven hours from Heather's. And all of a sudden, we became a unit of two. Mm-hmm. And then we had a couple of kids. And our family, quote unquote family, became our friends. Uh, and, and so that was where all the connections were made. What was really eye-opening for me is when, you know, 
illness struck our family. Yeah. And we didn't have anybody. Hmm. And, and how the family unit you know, took a really big hit. And it was this moment of just like, there's, there's, no, there's, there's nobody here. We like, hmm. Our friends are going to, they're going to default to maybe helping us for a time period. But there was not this sac- self-sacrificial kind of posture to take that you would see, that we saw, in, that I saw growing up with our family when one, one person went down kind of thing. And so that... I've, you know, I've tried to contextualize that a little bit. Yeah. It's part of the reasons why we moved closer to home, honestly, yeah. Yeah. just to be a little bit closer, to expose our kids to it. So mm-hmm. I think the multi-generational importance, the wisdom that can be passed on, the, the different aspects of like hearing the stories of your ancestors, mm-hmm. I think is so important. And I have been so convicted that we've lost that in our family. And so that's like one of those moments of just like, okay, how do I start from there to mm. begin that for my kids? Yeah, it's good. Yeah. That's really good. Uh, for me, uh, my family, my mom's family, there are five generations alive. So my great grandmother is 101 and still lives at home and in her right mind. She's great. That's amazing. Um, and down to my daughter, Madeline, then who's 10, and my son, who's eight. Uh, so we've got all those generations my great grandma, my grandma, my mom, me, and my kids. Um, and it's invaluable, those connections, to hear her talk about the Great Depression and you know, heating up bricks to put in her bed and waking up with frost on her sheets. I mean, it helps ground you in a perspective of, you know, how, like where you are, what you've come from, all of that. Um, Yeah, I think the multi-generation. And then, I mean, I will extend that out to even within the church. So I'm realizing that if if I lose sight of the multi-generational influence in my own family, I drop the importance of it then mm. in other ways. And so looking at the church family, then the multi-generational influence and importance there yeah. is like how I view that is directly related to how I view my own personal family. And yeah. so it's just causing me to pause and rethink like how I have invested intentionally and how I'm intentionally investing in my children with the older generations. Yeah. That's yeah. Good. yeah That's and really I would, good. you know, if you have little kids, I think everybody, everybody who has little kids, if you're far away from your family of origin to, have a 70 or 80 year old yeah. person in the church come over to your house for dinner right. and just ask them questions. Yeah. Pepper them with questions and let your kids hear yeah. the stories because I think there's such value, just in general value mm-hmm. to that. Um, we, we've been really fortunate. Our, both of our families are, are here in town. So my kids, my kids who are 25, 21, and 18 now, um, have gotten to grow, grow up around their grandparents. And I think about all that they've mm. learned, not only just skills-wise from the variety of stuff that, you know, from farming and tractors on the one side to sports and history on the other, you know, yeah. just the, that thing. But but then this sense of connectedness to our family story, and that's mm-hmm. what you're like, everybody, I think all the DNA stuff that's happening now and people wanting to, you know, whatever the whatever these uh, ancestry.com ancestry.com and you know all these things is this just this desire in us for um you know for uh to know our story you know to understand what what story we're a part of and uh we kim's family is in uh, minnesota they were one of the original homesteads in minnesota and we just found like literally ran west claimed the land and it's still in the family And so we just uh, came across a newspaper article of her great-great-grandfather's death. 
and there was like a one-page spread in the local paper, this little tiny town in Minnesota that outlined every detail of this guy's life and death. And he's a community leader, and they shut down school for a half a day because of his funeral or whatever. And I read, I read, we gathered our kids around. I read this article to them from this thing, and to watch, um, it was wild Whoa. to watch their kind of like their spine stiffen a little bit of like. My great 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 grandfather was a leader in mm-hmm. his community to the point where the town shut down when he died, and that, there's something about just that connection to like that's yes. part of their story now, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. And there's something just really valuable about that. So yeah. anyway, mm-hmm. we got to move on. Let's talk about is my family functioning as a team? Mm-hmm. Uh, this concept of the family as a team, I think, is is really really important. It's one we're going to be hitting on. Give us just any insights or impressions that you have about this idea of family as a team. Go well, on. I mean, you know, the whole sports thing of there is no I in team yes, is very convicting because, again, as we've talked about, our culture is, values the individual. Uh, and so it is a, it, am I living for my own happiness, my own joy, my own sense of fulfillment, or am, am I living for something greater? It's exactly what you were talking about. So, whew, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is a hard one. It, it is, is really hard. hard. It is a hard one. You know, so... Jeff Bethke and, you know, Jeremy Pryor are mm-hmm. some of the guys that we've listened to in preparation for this. And they were talking about this concept of, do you see, do you see your role as a parent as, as like the coach of the team? Mm-hmm. And I started thinking about that. I'm like, oh my gosh, well, think about what a coach does. At the beginning of the season, they kind of lay out the objective for the season. Mm-hmm. And, and there's like, and there's meetings and there's like whiteboards and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> and then there's like practices and then there's like development. development because you know that you have a game and then there's like celebrations afterwards. And and I'm, I'm thinking that I'm just like, I'm, I'm not doing that like that. I'm not running it as a team. I can talk about team values. Hey, like I, my girls know that this is team Michael. We talk about that all the time, but that's about it where we don't really address the nuances of like what makes a team successful. Mm-hmm. And I hear, and I was very convicted by that of just like, we need to like, what's, what's the mission of the family? Mm-hmm. What, you know, they said something profound. They said, if, because if your, if your kid gets captured by a lesser story, you haven't done your job. Yeah. Well, because the world will substitute. Because the ruin will substitute. Lesser, lesser there's, story. There's tons of lesser stories out there, but if you can, if you can, if you can convey a greater story, well, then by golly, that's, that's going to make those lesser stories that other kids get wrapped up into not even worth exploring. It's really mm-hmm. cool. I was like, mind blown. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. I, one of the illustrations I'm going to come to uh, this month is the, uh, so the 2004 uh, Dream Team. Yeah. Uh, right. So <laughs> LeBron and Iverson and all these guys, but they were the they were the ones that lost. They were they were the ones that lost, yeah. and they lost early and mm-hmm. uh, ugly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, it was because they had the best players in the world, the best individuals mm-hmm. in the world. But after that, we see the USA team going. We need a coach who can help build the team. Yeah. And and a team needs some role players in addition to. And so it's not. Just because every individual is great doesn't mean that the team wins. Right. right. And I think that's what a lot of families are feeling these mm-hmm. days. Yeah. Like our attempt to make each individual primary mm-hmm. has resulted in a team that's losing. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that's that's frustrating. Yeah. yeah. A team that's exhausted. exhausted. A team that's yeah. yeah, just burnt out and yeah. driven around 
the county to right, death. Because <laughs> what, when, what ends up happening is that they're, think about how, like if your kids are in sports or activities, their primary influence is that coach mm-hmm. or that person leading the activity. Yeah. And there are some coaches that are great. And then there are other coaches that are not. Yeah. That's the person that's having a primary influence on the development of your kid. That's right. Um, what? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We got to wrap this up. Uh, we're at about oh, yeah, man. our time. But um, <laughs> one of the things that you said, Scott, that I think is so important is the, you know, if, if you're going to have a team, that w- one of the things that makes a team a team is a clear goal. Yeah. And so we, we, we have some goals at the end of the season that we want to make sure that we hit. And that's what kind of aligns all of our efforts. And I think that's the third thing that we're going to talk about this month is does my family have clarity around our mission? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, you know, part of the, re- you know, God created family at the beginning to solve a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the problem was is that the world wasn't filled with his glory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so uh, his solution to the problem wasn't a nonprofit and it wasn't a business and it wasn't an educational system it was a family yeah and he said now go reproduce that family to solve this problem of bringing my glory to the earth and yeah. so you know I think as we think about so yeah a Christian family is a, is is a team with a clear mission that's on mission mm-hmm. together and uh, we don't have a ton of time to talk about it but any just quick thoughts about that before we wrap this up I think it gets at the heart of what uh, maybe people can't put their finger on what's missing Mm. in our ideal nuclear family. there's just a sense of being untethered and we're just whatever wave or wind or whim or trend it blows our way. We just, you know, hop on and go and do without much thought or much intentionality. So one of the things that I'm just excited about in conversations with my husband, Nate, is just like moving this direction, moving to some sort of intentional missional mindset mm-hmm. that then becomes the anchor through which we make all these other decisions. Yeah. So when this opportunity comes for one kid or this opportunity rises up for me, yeah. well, is it serving the purpose of this team yeah. and our mission or not? And so it will help us like clarify and and also just, I mean, goodness, imagine what that does for our children and in terms of helping them grow up and learn, you know, how do I make decisions? How do I decide what's best? Is it just all about me or are there other people, you know, and what is my mission and purpose in life? So I think it's a, uh, like you said earlier, Scott, (laughs) wherever we are, we can start right now start from here. (laughs) And that's, that's encouraging. That's encouraging. If I do this a little, if, if we get on mission a little bit better than perhaps Maddie and Lincoln will. Yeah be on mission better than that. And I think th- that I, the only thing that I think I would add to that is the fact that the mission doesn't stop with us as the family because what we're doing is we're laying the foundation for m- our daughters to carry that on. Yeah. That's the mission. I want to do everything I can in my power as coach for this season to show them, to grow them the development so that they can pick up where we stopped mm-hmm. and they can continue to carry it forward. So it's not ending with us. This it's continuing on. And I think that is a mindset shift yeah. that this is this is gonna help. It's great. Yeah. All right, we gotta wrap it up. I think if this was helpful for you guys, please like and follow for the rest of uh, these episodes that we're gonna be doing around family. Share it with some people that you know that you think uh, would find it helpful as well. As you can tell, we're pretty pumped uh, about this subject and and passionate about uh, really I think the impact that it can make uh, on many, many families uh, in our region and and really even all around uh, the world. So God bless you. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you soon.